Was there an Adam? Was there an Eve? Or did we evolve from what we conceived? Either way, we got what we needed when the sun shone down on the Garden of Eden. Hey everybody, this is Harvey Suggo Wasserman back for a special uh, post-election edition of the Green Power and Wellness Show. Uh, usually we've been uh, podcasting, broadcasting our um, our Zoom meetings, uh, the Grassroots Emergency Election Protection Coalition. Uh, but today um, I, I, I wanted to get uh, current with um, what's happening in the election. And we're joined by the great Kevin Camps. We will be joined soon by Tatanka Bricka. And we're going to go through the hour and lay out exactly what's happening in the world, the post-election world of America 2022. What a concept. Um, we uh, have, It's really been a shock, shocking election. And I want to thank uh, Dylan and Rodney for uh, uh, engineering this at, um, at the PRN studio in New York to get us live and keep us current. So uh, we're with Kevin Camps. Kevin, are you in Kalamazoo, Michigan, or are you back in D.C.? No, I'm in D.C. because we have a major court battle against a Texas nuclear waste dump tomorrow. So I had to get back here for that. Oh, my God. All right. Well, let's we'll talk about that. But let's talk first about the election. Uh, you're a Michigan boy. Uh, I just saw that uh, Gretchen Whitmer, is that her name? The uh, the governor? Yes. Uh, yeah. it's, it's actually not not 100 percent sure she's she won everything that I saw said she won. But now they're um, they're casting doubt. What do you think? Is is she is she definitely the victor? Well, I mean, the Republicans can be expected to contest even clear cut elections that they lost. So I'm not surprised okay. to hear this. But um, you know, a lot of the election results I see through the lens of nuclear power and radioactive waste. And so Gretchen Whitmer, along with Gavin Newsom, are trying to bail out. Uh, nuclear power plants, Palisades in Michigan, Diablo Canyon in California. In the case of Palisades in Michigan, it's a pretty extreme position by Whitmer that she first announced last April to not only bail out Palisades, but to restart it because it permanently shut down last May, May 20th. So we're looking at uh, a rumored amount of money from the state of $1.3 billion. And we're looking at, at probably an equal amount or more from the Fed, our Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm is a former Michigan governor and Michigan Attorney General. So, um, you know, that's that's been the weird twisteroo in Michigan is that Whitmer took this extreme position. Apparently, she thinks she has more votes to gain than to lose by staking out such a high risk, high danger position. Well, it is insane. Let's talk about the election uh, first in Michigan. You're being a Michigan boy, and I'm a graduate of the University of Michigan, which is currently ranked uh, two or three in football in the United States, but we won't go into that. I, I will say briefly that I have put out a position that um, all tackle football should be changed to flag football, especially where it comes to quarterbacks. We'll do <laughs> we'll do another show on that one. But um, uh, did you vote in Michigan or do you vote in D.C., Kevin? My mom votes in Michigan, um, but I vote in uh, Mount Rainier, okay, Maryland. Okay, so, uh, but you are familiar enough to know 
Um, how do you believe in Michigan that the abortion um, uh, referendum might have affected the outcome? Do you believe that the the uh, constitutional Michigan, the state constitutional amendment on the ballot uh, might have helped the Democrats in Michigan significantly? Yes, I mean, I've been in Michigan since May, and um, there's been a tremendous buzz everywhere I've gone, to the farmer's market, to the food co-op, around town in Kalamazoo, about the um, pro-choice ballot initiative, and as well about um, election protection, which uh, sounds like it would be a right-wing position, but actually it's it was a left initiative. And uh, so those ballot initiatives, I think, helped to drive turnout. And uh, just the stakes, I mean, the Whitmer-Dixon uh, race was something else because Dixon's such a, a lunatic fringe extremist on the Republican side. But then you also had the same in the attorney general race and in the secretary of state race. And as far as I can tell, all the ballot initiatives passed and also the Democrats held their offices in those three races. Right. So if if the Democrats had had the good sense to put abortion rights um, initiatives on all the ballots in the states around the country, um, they didn't, they might have done better than, than they did in this election, don't you think? Well, yeah, um, that seems to be the trend coming out, even in places like Kentucky and Kansas, of all yes, places. Yeah. But, you know, to Emma's credit, she you really took reaction I mean, immediately yeah. upon the Supreme Court decision. Right. Yeah, you're breaking up a bit. So. Okay. Um, I was saying that we're, uh, you're, we're getting, I don't know. Um, I could, I could try calling in. Yeah, that might be better. If you, you can maybe give us a phone call, that might be better. Dylan, if you'll listen for Kevin's phone call, that'd be great. Uh, do you have the number there to call on your okay. um, email? I believe so. Yes. Okay. Good. Yeah, I think so. All right, so we'll wait for your call. I'm going to talk while you're, while you're calling us back. So um, at any rate, uh, in Michigan, the, um, the outcome was clearly impacted by the, um, the presence of the uh, Constitution Amendment to protect abortion rights. And uh, as, as Kevin mentioned, that was on the ballot in Kansas and Kentucky, there was a, um, a, 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 an abortion-related um, a referendum that also uh, uh, seemed to have raised uh, the outcome, so uh, affect the outcome in a way uh, for the Democrats. As we stand right now in the middle of the week after the election, um, it looks like that control of the U.S. Senate is going to turn on another um, uh, runoff in the state of, uh, 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 of Georgia that uh, Warnock, uh, Reverend Warnock, who's the incumbent senator who won in 2021, uh, actually, the day before, Reverend Warnock and John Ossoff uh, won their runoff elections in Georgia in 2015 on January 5th, I'm sorry, on 2021, on January 5th, the day before the attempted fascist coup. And um, uh, it was the first time, obviously, <laughs> that you had a, a black senator and a Jewish senator, senator coming out of the state of Georgia. So in this election, it now looks pretty clear 
the uh, major networks are reporting that there's going to have to be another runoff, this time between uh, Senator Warnock and um, Herschel Walker, the uh, absolutely wacky um, uh, former football player. And um, uh, we won't, it could very well decide control of the Senate. We won't know who's going to control the Senate probably until December now, after these two uh, uh, candidates have a, a runoff. I believe the date for the uh, runoff will be December 9th. Um, I'm just seeing it come through on CNN. Um, and uh, Kevin is now joining us. Let's see how we can get him in here. Uh, Kevin, are you are you in? Okay. Uh, Chris uh, uh, Tataka, is that you? Yeah. This is Kevin joining by phone. Okay, good. Okay, we got Tataka, Bricka, and Kevin Kim. Okay, thanks. Both of you guys are in. Can you hear me? I can hear you. This is Kevin. Okay, and Tatanka, you're unmuted as well. Excellent. Okay, we've got a great uh, a great lineup here. Uh, Tatanka and Kevin, while you were getting in, I was talking about, it looks like now that in the state of Georgia, um, uh, it's going to take a runoff. Uh, because uh, there was a third candidate in the, in the race in Georgia between Herschel Walker and um, um, uh, Reverend Warnock. And uh, Reverend Warnock, unfortunately, did not get a full 50% of the vote. And I believe the date for the runoff will be December 9th. So this is the second straight um, election, two-year election in, in our country, that where control of the U.S. Senate will turn on a runoff in the state of Georgia. And, uh, you know... Uh, I don't think in this one that Donald Trump is going to go in there like he did last time and tell people not to vote. <laughs> he didn't like the two candidates last time. But um, uh, so this is going to be a, a real hair raiser because it looks like, unfortunately, and this is killing me, it's really killing me, that Ron Johnson in Wisconsin, a horrible, horrible guy, is going to get reelected. And the the vote count in Nevada has now turned against the Democrats as well. So it, it'll be 50-49 one way or the other, as best we can tell. And uh, that means it's going to depend on a runoff in Georgia, which will again turn on grassroots organizing. Um, uh, Tatanka, have you followed this at all? I mean, uh, yeah. Is- yeah, that that's how I read it. I Unless uh, for some reason, uh, there's an abnormally high number of Warnock votes, and he just inches over 50% plus one, but don't think that's going to happen. And one interesting thing to point out is the the work that Greg Palace revealed yesterday. Can't remember, it's over 120,000 votes with this vigilante, you know, the uh, what they passed in Georgia, where any person can challenge votes and it's it's an amazing story where uh i think 120 or 140,000 his office got names of people who went to vote uh didn't get their absentee ballots or were told they can't vote you know all, basically black people and young people in georgia so there will be a race to have them they've got to go before a board and prove they are who they say they are and they're an american citizen and all this and uh one woman who was number 2 uh under the in the state of uh the republican party in georgia 
challenged th- personally, who knew none of these people, challenged 30,000 votes. Right. So, and, and Greg's film is called Vigilante. Everybody yep. who's listening, go to Vigilante. The film, I think that's it, Vigilante, the film, or just Google Vigilante, the film with Greg Powest's name. And um, I, I've seen most of the film. Uh, have you, Kevin or Tatanka, either one of you watched the film? I guess you did, Tatanka. No. I just saw a trailer of it. I haven't seen the whole film. Okay, Kevin, have you seen it? Not, Not yet. yet. I look forward, I look forward to, it. to it. Yeah, it's 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 very good. Greg Powest always does good work. And um, he had... So I think what's going to happen now in this country, and this is quite amazing, I guess if there was any state that you would want to choose for the world to observe a runoff election in the United States, it would now be Georgia, because every possible issue of election protection has been raised in Georgia in in this election. You know, you've got uh, Brian Kemp, who the governor, uh, a lot of the film focuses on Brian Kemp. And then you got uh, Raffensperger, the secretary of state, who stood up to Trump in 2020, but, um, you know, is pretty corrupt and pretty um, willing to trash people's votes. So this is going to be massive scrutiny. And we have had, of course, Ray McClendon of the Atlanta NAACP and um, um um, Andrea Miller uh, of the Center for Common Ground on our Zoom calls and, of course, on our PR, PRN shows. And uh, they will be totally on the case. This is going to be really, really an exercise in seeing about election protection in Georgia. And, of course, Kevin, as you know, the unstated issue in Georgia on a state level is the vote nuclear plant. Now, in the last election, there was a, a guy, I can't remember his name, a progressive, who was running for the Georgia Public Service Commission. And they really screwed him. The last thing that the uh, state, you know, the powers that be in Georgia wanted was a progressive on the PSC while they're building these two ridiculous reactors. They're about to come online. Kevin, do you know when the Volta plants are scheduled to go online? Well, Volga well, Unit, Unit 3 is about, is about five, five years, years overdue, overdue to, go online, to go online, and they're close, and they're to, close uh, firing to, uh, up, supposedly, firing up but supposedly, but it just it takes more and more time because they keep running into construction mistakes, mistakes design, flaws, design flaws, oh, hold, hold and on, the price tag. tag. Now, now we're getting an echo. I don't know why. Oh, I know why, because I think you're signed on twice, Kevin. Are you a 240 area code? I am. So either there, there, that was better. Either turn off the, you should turn off the video. Stick with the phone. How's that? Okay, is that working? Yeah, that's better. That's better. Yeah, that works. It's yeah. Like you and your, cosmic, you and your cosmic twin there. So Very Georgia um, has this hidden issue with the Volta nuclear plants. They're three and units three and four. They're coming in at thirty billion dollars. For God's sakes, do you, do you know <laughs> when they're scheduled to open? Do you have any idea? Well, I mean, they they were in fire up phase at Vogel Unit Three, but it's still going very slowly. So they're just they're they're both units are five years behind startup schedule, and like you said, what was supposed to have cost seven point five billion dollars per reactor is now twice that at fifteen billion. But right. if you take it back another ten years, I mean, that seven point five billion dollar price tag per reactor was a twenty twelve. 
cost estimate by the companies involved. So it's doubled since then. But if you go back to 2001, the Nuclear Energy Institute said new reactors were going to cost $2.5 billion each. So we are at an order of magnitude higher than that. And the longer the delays continue at Vogel, the higher that price tag is going to go. And it's like you said, it's the public of Georgia, for the most part, ratepayers on their electric bills who are unwitting in many cases and unwilling shareholders in this project who will never get any return on the profits. They're just unwilling investors on their electricity bills. And so is the U.S. taxpayer in the form of 13 billion, I'm sorry, 12 oh, yeah. billion yeah, in 12. nuclear loan guarantees. Obama gave him 8.3 and then um, uh, Trump gave him 2.7 or 3.7. And then um, Ernest Moniz, who was Obama's energy secretary, got a seat on the board of Southern Nuclear for his uh, 8.3 billion gift he gave to that company. Uh, the so that's a pretty expensive more. board chair, but it was paid, paid for by the American taxpayer. They're probably paying him more, about a million a year, you think, to sit on, to go to a board uh, meeting every couple of weeks or every month or two? I mean, you know. Well, he's, I mean, it, the corruption, I mean, he is personally benefiting. He is personally profiting from handing over $8.3 billion of federal taxpayer money to this company. And the the press conference that was held on site at the construction site where, where the announcement was made back in 2014 was just theater of the absurd. I mean, they were giddy. Ernest Moniz was giddy. The CEO of Southern Nuclear was giddy. And at one point, Moniz made a joke about how long it was taking to build the thing. Yeah. And they were only two years in at that point. And the CEO of Southern turned to him on the microphone and said, well, if you got a couple hours, I'll tell you about it. Yeah, right. So, right. Well, that turns out they needed 10 years. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, and is, there any, is there any discussion at all about, I mean, we know how expensive it is for people, but the the urgency that the nuclear industry has to keep this thing going, to reopen Diablo, et cetera. Is there any article in the press about the origin of nuclear power and that it's basically there? It was, you know, branded as too cheap to meter. It's we basically have it to create fissile material. I mean, when Danny Sheehan, when they shut down one, the Karen Silkwood case, Karen Silkwood was on her way to a New York Times reporter, not just to talk about radiation, but to talk about the amount of fissile material going to Iran and to Israel from the Kerman-McGee nuclear power plant in Oklahoma. That was the big story that got buried. And so I think the only reason for its existence to begin with is to have fissile material. And then they sold it as a, you know, as an energy solution for us. It's the most dangerous and expensive way to boil water known to the human family. And it continues to be that way. They have no solution for it. But I don't hear anybody talking about that link, that that's the reason it still exists. We have a space program, you know, that is, I don't know, $2 trillion to do the next generation of space. And they called it just an upgrade. It's not an upgrade. It's a new space arms race with AI leading the way. So I don't know. And I don't you know, know. The nuclear know. industry now, when we first started, uh, Kevin, uh, even before Kevin was born, <laughs> they they were talking about um, very, very um, adamant that the peaceful atom had nothing to do with the weapons industry. This was like a major, major That's selling right. point. These, these reactors are completely divorced from the nuclear weapons um, industry. And now 
They are proudly yelling that the nuclear power plants are needed to keep the nuclear weapons industry going. Well, well especially for- when it got shut down in the U.S., they just exported the hell out of them to Brazil, to Israel, and especially to Europe. So now Europe is dependent on them. I mean, now we've got Greta sitting out cop. I mean, you know, criticizing for the greenwashing. But I think the the major issue is that. Hold on, just uh, hold on, just a second. Okay. We, we well, can... you know, um, Tatanka's question um, about has the media covered this? The Progressive Magazine just recently ran an article by Alfred Meyer, who's a former Physicians oh, yeah. for Social Responsibility National Board member, just about this issue. Right, you know, right on target that. Like you said, Harvey, for more than a half century, the U.S. government, the nuclear power industry tried to say, hey, we're atoms for peace. We have nothing to do with the weapons. It was never true. It was the opposite, actually. But then Ernest Moniz, who we were just talking about in 2017, put out a white paper that said, we need to bail out. He didn't say bail out. We need to subsidize. We need to support the nuclear power industry. Why? To support our nuclear weapons arsenal. That's why. And so finally, the truth... Where did that come out? Where was Moniz, that? Moniz, M-O-N-I-Z. Okay. Good. Yeah, Ernest Moniz, Obama's former energy secretary, just came uh, right out and said it in a position paper. And what it was was him lobbying because the nuclear power industry was so desperate for public money again that yeah. he felt emboldened to go forward publicly and say, hey, you know, we need it for our nuclear weapons arsenal, people. And, uh, of course, you know, the four horsemen of the nuclear apocalypse, including Kissinger, said, we really need to abolish our nuclear weapons, people, before it bites us in the rear. They said the only existential threat to the United States is a nuclear weapons attack by an adversary. So maybe we might want to abolish the weapons before that happens. Yeah. Well, and the tragedy. 2007. Go ahead. Go ahead, Harvey. Sorry. Well, they're also talking not only about the weapons material from the atomic reactors, but also the personnel, you know, the, the skilled workers, they need, they need uh, people who can do nuclear to continue forward because everybody else is leaving the industry. And the, the tragedy I, that, that they're caught in in uh, Europe, unlike California, we don't need it. It was the solar people that bailed out the potential shutoff, you know, last summer. In Europe, they're largely dependent on it. And, uh you know, uh, I, uh, the best I can read it is if they go cold turkey, they have to rely on coal. And then you get into the thing about their their arguing, which is which is more uh, putting more carbon in the air without even talking about radiation. You know, right or heat. You know, yes. I mean, a nuclear plant burns at five hundred seventy-one degrees Fahrenheit. For God's yeah. sake, nobody even talks about that. We're talking with uh, uh, folks. I've I failed miserably as a host to fully introduce my guests. Uh, we have Tatanka Bricka, who is with the Romero Institute in California, does tremendous election work and also a nuclear work and a uh, big big issue in solar. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. And Kevin Camps of the Beyond Nuclear Organization, a Michigan boy, uh, now in Washington, D.C., uh, dealing with these issues. And I am Harvey Sluggo Wasserman, the host of the Grigri phone calls, the Green Grassroots Emergency Election Protection Calls. and and of course, the Solartopia Green Power and Wellness Show here at PRN. We're engineered by Dylan and Rodney. Really, thank you guys so much for doing this special post-election edition. Uh, we will get back to let's let's talk a little about the elections for a minute, and then we'll and then we'll get back into the nuclear thing. Um, I got to hand it to Michael Moore. He went out on a limb 
and said there was not going to be a red wave if the, the Democrats would prevail. They haven't exactly prevailed, but they will be within a vote of holding the Senate. And uh, the, I, it's not out of the question they could hold the House, um, uh, which would be, God, that would be mind-boggling if the Democrats actually held the House. People have to put this from perspective historically. Um, uh, I believe with very, very, well, I know for sure, with very, very few exceptions, the party in power always loses the midterm elections big time. I, I mean, 20, 30 seats in the House, five or six seats in the Senate. And for the Democrats to hold this time uh, is really a big deal. And it is clearly um, uh, turns on a couple of things. First of all, I, I think the people of the United States really dislike Donald Trump a lot more than people understand. And I got to say that the January 6th hearings have really pushed that along. Uh, I, th I think that the, the general uh, abomination of this creep that was astoundingly in the White House and then staged the coup unsuccessfully, thankfully. Um, uh, he's, he's, when he announces for president in a couple of, of days or weeks, uh, I think there's going to be a giant groan. And, you know, he was expecting to ride in on a red wave and be the big the man on the red horse here. And um, there ain't no horse, man. So, <laughs> you know, um, and um, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the turn also, and I, I write about, about this in a lot of my history book. Anybody wants my history book, you can have it for free. Write me, Solartopia at gmail.com, Solartopia Gmail, uh, The People's Spiral of U.S. History. And what, one of the major themes is that, and this is- Harvey, it's a great read. Everybody should read it. And it's a lot of fun. Harvey has a great sense of humor and it covers a lot of native history. Very important. Well, thank you for that, Tatanka. Yep. Yep. It also has a lot of really dirty pictures in there. So, you know, <laughs> but anyway, um, um, it's two, two basic demographic factors. Number one is women. And there's no doubt that the Roe v. Wade decision was a huge factor, and women are a majority of the electorate. And number two is the generational shift. The, the majority of the American electorate now is born after 1980, millennials and Zoomers. And say what you will, but the millennials and Zoomers um, are clearly to the left of Generation uh, X and, and us Boomers before that, and uh, they, they don't care that much about race anymore. They don't care about LGBTQ. I mean, this is, they're, they're focused on, <laughs> I'm wondering if they have a planet to live on. Uh, Kevin, what year were you born? Are you a, a millennial? 1969. Oh, God, you're a geezer. You were born in 60, so you're a generation uh, X guy. Yep, yep. I was born days after Woodstock. Oh. Um, it must have been my, oh, that was the first one. You know, the proper answer is if someone asks you if you were at the first Woodstock, you say, you know what the answer is, Kevin? The correct answer? No. Can't so, remember. I can't remember. That's right. <laughs> but I remember being at the second one because uh, I was filmed speaking at that one. But um, um, I you mean, mean you remember the film. You don't remember. They I haven't seen the film. I can't get uh -oh. it. <laughs> I remember colors. I remember a lot of colors. <laughs> so, uh, Kevin, as a Michigan guy, um, you know, Michigan was really solid 
Uh, and there was a lot of grassroots organizing that went on in Michigan. You would think the Democratic Party, once again, this is a giant failure of the Democratic Party. I mean, these guys really, the, the, the gerontocracy uh, of multi-million dollar um, uh, consultants really screwed us again. But, uh, but well, you also, you live in Maryland and you got uh, the first black uh, governor of Maryland, right? He's only the third black governor, you know. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's it's a big change in Maryland. I mean, we're going from a Republican governor in Hogan to um, this new black Democrat. So it is an interesting new day. Um, I think also the AG in Maryland uh, is the first black AG in Maryland's history. So, yeah, it is uh, important historical um, making election results. Right. Maryland. I mean, it, it, Important thing, when you talked about how the Democratic Party missed the boat again, the real question is, where is the money going to go, assuming there's a runoff? I mean, will it go through a, a significant part through Ray and that whole and Andrea and the grassroots thing? Or is it going to go through Stacey, which, you know, just goes into TV? Well, that, and, and Tatanka has got it there. Let me explain a little more fully. And Kevin, you're, you're I'm certainly aware of this is that on our grassroots emergency election protect, green grassroots emergency election protection calls, the Gree Gree calls, we have had a major focus and will continue to, demanding that progressive money go not to the Democratic Party apparatus that spends it all on, on TV ads, that, for which they get commissioned, these guys, uh, but that it go to Andrea Miller at the Center for Common Ground and the, uh, um, the Georgia NAACP, which hires people to go out at 20 bucks an hour, kids, and knock on doors and set up uh, um, democracy centers. And actually, in many ways, I welcome this runoff. I mean, I wish it was over. I wish Warnock had won flat out, but um, uh, because this is going to put a microscope, especially with Greg's film, on how campaigning is done in this country. Because the Democrats just take all this money. And they throw it out to TV, and people get sick of the ads. Who knows what kind of impact they have? There has been a lot a new focus on texting now, and you know, for the younger younger people. Uh, but um, the bottom line is, as we go into this runoff in Georgia, w there will be a massive dialogue, and we will be at the at the vanguard of it, of demanding that the money go into to what's called relational organizing now and democracy centers face-to-face. -face. And we do have a perfect test case. In Georgia, in in, uh, on the January 5th, 2021, just prior to the, the day before the coup attempt, um, Warnock and Ossoff won based on grassroots campaign. And then in the fall, this idiot, well, people know, I know people know him, they say he's not an idiot, but I'll, I, this idiot, um, uh, Terry McAuliffe, Democratic flunky, didn't pay his canvassers, for God's sakes. He's got people out there knocking on doors. He didn't pay them. And, you know, it's it's ridiculous. And, of course, the Republican won. So, you know, you got Maryland, in Maryland, um, uh, Kevin, you've got a, 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 a black mayor. Uh, by the way, there was, I'm a governor, rather, there was a shift in Massachusetts also, they had, you know, Massachusetts, which is a heavily Democratic state, is famous for electing liberal governors, including Matt, Mitt Romney. 
but um, uh, they had a noble guy, Republican Charlie Baker, and he was um, ousted by the first um, gay woman, um, um, Maureen Healy, right? So uh, there, there's that change, and now you've got Whitmer in, in Michigan. Let's jump back now. I, I, I mean, I think that, uh, I think what we've seen in this election is uh, people don't understand because they don't see the historical pattern, how radical it really is. Because, you know, midterm elections always kill. I mean, with very, very, 1934, I think Roosevelt won big time, you know. And, uh, and before, before it gets lost, Harvey, Andrea Miller has precinct by precinct data on, on many elections, including the Virginia election for governor that happened some time ago, where the Democratic Party blew it. And in the few areas that Centers for Democracy, uh, that Andrea's people went in and they did relational, grassroots, person-to-person, trusted messenger organizing, they turned out a very high percentage. And so she has the data on the comparison of the standard Democratic Party model and being on the ground. So you can't forget that. So people who follow this show, uh, all you PRN listeners, I'm told, by the way, there are between 500 and 1,000 people who listen to us every Thursday night at 5 p.m. Eastern time. So I'm glad to have you all with us. This is an exciting moment. I mean, uh, I went to bed. (laughs) You know what I did election night? I did not want to look at the TV before the um, um, uh, results were in. I didn't want to live the angst of so i delayed and delayed delayed as long as i could and what i watched on prn was a two and a half hour documentary on the life of adolf hitler which i (laughs) i thought was possibly appropriate for watching on election night because you know it was going to determine uh uh, trump And, and you know hitler um like trump uh attempted a coup uh, it was in 1923 on November 9th, and um, on 1923, and like eight of his guys, crazy people were killed. I mean, these were, you know, the uh, the Proud Boys and the and uh, the other uh, uh, jerks uh, that have surrounded Donald Trump, who's very, 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 very much like Adolf Hitler in so many ways. Uh, Trump is number one being these two guys, Adolf Hitler and Donald Trump are both completely lacking in anything resembling empathy or compassion. You know, these are people who are incapable of creating meaningful human bonds with other people. I mean, Trump, uh, Hitler was more than willing to execute uh, his closest friends, such as it were, uh, on uh, on a dime, including Ernst Röhm, the head of the FSA. So, uh, you know, and Trump's the same way. But um, um, uh, Hitler said that the best day of his life was his failed coup because it, it, it made him a national, gave him national uh, uh, attention and, and, and put him in jail where he wrote his book, Mein Kampf. You know, Hitler became very wealthy because of Mein Kampf. Uh, it was a bestseller and it supported him personally throughout his career. He was financially independent. So now we have uh, Trump who I think is the opposite with the coup. And this means, uh, Kevin, that if um, 
your congressman, Jamie Raskin, if if the Democrats manage to hold the House, the the um, one six committee is going to continue. Isn't that right? Yeah, I mean, they it's interesting now to see if they're going to come out with their final report before January 3rd. If the Republicans take the House, that's the end of it. I mean, they're going to end the investigation and turn it around and begin investigating the Biden family and <laughs> the list goes on. So right. they'd better uh, bust a move quick if, uh, you know, if there's any chance of that happening, they need to get the report out. I was going to say... Um, in addition to the history made in uh, Maryland with Wes Moore as governor and Anthony Brown as attorney general, the history in Michigan goes back several years. You've got the top leadership of the state of Michigan, women Democrats, Gretchen Whitmer in the governor's seat, Jocelyn Benson at secretary of state, right. Dana Nessel at the attorney general's office. They held their seats last night, it appears. And I wanted to jump back to those ballot initiatives, um, reproductive rights in Michigan, um, voter protection from the left in Michigan, and the buzz that was created on the ground that did help voter turnout. So credit to Whitmer and credit to Nessel, right when the Supreme Court ruled on Roe versus Wade, they were ready to go because there's a 1931 law in Michigan that bans abortion. So they were successful in blocking that ban from taking effect, even post um, the Supreme Court decision. And now this, you know, citizen-led ballot initiative was the thing. This was citizen-led. So a lot of good decisions and a lot of good work have happened in Michigan. And Whitmer and Nessel, in their positions of power, were doing important things. Um, Nessel, to her credit, has taken a different position than Whitmer on the Palisades nuclear power plant. Nessel wow. is still intervening as AG against Holtec's takeover. So it's a very interesting difference between the two because they're both Democrats, but they have a different position on this question. Well, is the attorney general, is, is she allowed to pursue a legal case against the nukes, even though the governor is pro-nuke? She's doing it, whether she's down? allowed to or not. She is independently elected. So what her objections are at Palisades to Holtec taking over from the previous owner, which is already a fait accompli. NRC has approved it. Holtec is running the site right now. Her objections were mostly financial, that Holtec does not have the money to even do what they say they're going to do, let alone do a comprehensive cleanup. And what's thrown just utmost absurdity into the mix is that they're not talking about decommissioning anymore. They're talking about restart with bailouts from the feds and from the state. So any discussion at the Nuclear Regulatory Commission of decommissioning at Palisades is entirely misplaced. It's a red herring. It's not what's happening. And yet all of their proceedings on decommissioning go forward with public comment deadlines, with legal deadlines for the attorney general. We got thrown out. We tried to intervene. So it's just, you know, it's an alternative universe going on out there at the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. And that's what we have to prevent in California, exactly what you're into now. Well, we don't have an attorney general in California, I think, that would operate independently yeah, of, the, of, the, of the governor. But that's an amazing situation in Michigan. I, I hadn't heard that. So you have the AG at odds with the governor over the, uh, uh, the nuclear thing, and she's pursuing uh, a legal action where the governor is supporting. Uh, is that possible? I've yeah. never heard of that. Well, um, you know, 
my hat's off to Dana Nessel for doing this. I mean, the, the irony is that Whitmer and Nessel have done good work on this Enbridge tar, Canadian tar sands oil pipeline at the Straits of Mackinac. That is a catastrophe waiting to happen. And what's ironic is, you know, Whitmer's against oil catastrophes, but apparently not against radioactive <laughs> catastrophes because Palisades is one waiting to happen. But at least Nessel is consistent. And it's really the first time since Frank Kelly, the eternal general of Michigan, who served as AG for 37 years. It's still um, a record in the United States. Yeah, I knew his he was. Nephew. He was after Palisades. Well, he was a great man. Uh, he he served the public at Palisades. He challenged them on the dangerous dry cast storage. Unfortunately, they got away with it. The feds overruled the, the Michigan AG, but she's the first one. Certainly Granholm, when she was AG, was missing in action on, on these questions. And then, you know, since she's been more and more pro-nuclear, till now she's handing out, about to hand out billions or even tens of billions or even more than a hundred billion to the nuclear power industry of taxpayer money. And she's also, of course, in charge of the nuclear weapons arsenal. Oh God. Well, we, let's, let's Kevin, uh, can I ask you a question? Please mm -hmm. go ahead. Tatanka. Yeah. For, uh, first, it's a, it's a wonderful to meet you. Thank you. Um, thank you, you for your work. When I left the TV last night, uh, Wisconsin was up in the air. What is it? The Senate race. And they were talking about, the amazing turnout of young people on the universities, in, incredible turnout. Now, I don't know if it'll be enough to to carry the day, but do you know anything about that organizing and how that happened? No, I don't. Um, you know, we do have our, our hat in the ring on nuclear power fights in Wisconsin, but not on the, um, the elections. Okay. Well, here's a question for you. Michigan and Wisconsin are kind of sister states in many ways. If there had been a ballot initiative in Wisconsin to guarantee abortion rights, do you think that the, the senator would have won? I do, Mandela Barnes. I bet he would have won if that thing was on the ballot there, as it was in Michigan. Anyway, that's... That seems, yeah, that seems to be what Michigan has to say about it, so, yeah. yeah. Really, I mean, these, these, you know, I hate it when they put... They, the network's put on James Carville like he's some some genius stra stra strategist, you know. I just like to throw a pie in his face. I mean, it's ridiculous. It you know, it was a miserable presidency with Clinton, and and then he's he's like this macher that they keep talking to about election stuff. So I want to switch. Um, um, we've we've touched on, you know. Uh, I was I I got to say I was so relieved. Uh, after watching the life of Hitler for two and a half hours to tune in and see that. Harvey, before yeah. you switch, can I say one more thing about the election? Yes, please. Uh, well, it's it's like, so we have the possibility of, of DeSantis, you know, being a much smarter Donald Trump because he secured his home ground. I mean, Florida, he rigged it, right? Yeah. He rigged it. So it came out completely GOP. And he'd be and a really good guy, Charlie Crist. He did a great job of rigging it. And and even the thing about God pointed him up, that whole thing, I think he, he I, he's just playing around with being Trump, you know? I mean, he's just playing with Trump in some ways. Um, so we, we have, but he's, 
if we can learn anything from the Godfather movies, I mean, Trump's style of absolutely pissing off everyone is a failed style. It's a failed style in business. That's why he leaves a whole trail of, you know, indebtedness and gets into the arms of organized crime, whether it's domestic or the Russians, et cetera. And then you have DeSantis, who, you know, is a cooler and a, and a, and a little bit more uh, genial Trump. But he's still, I mean, he could be well, quite, quite dangerous in, in office. And right. so, I, you know, I don't know if the Republicans are going to go, oh, boy, you know, if they're going to flock to him or even the national media is going to say, uh, this is a great success without even without even accounting for the fact of all that crap that went on to rig the election there, because sooner or later, I, I, I mean, it's legal what they're doing, right? Well, I don't know. Maybe it seems to be has to be challenged. I, I don't know. I don't know if the Supreme Court, if they if they knew like what Greg Palast has come up with. I don't know if they would. They oh, probably they no, they're all they for it. Yeah, you know, the last two the last two chief justices have made their uh, their bones on on election suppression. Uh, you know, yeah. before John Roberts was um, um, what the, what's his guy's name? I can't remember. Rehnquist. 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 I mean, yeah. he was Rehnquist. I I taught you know for fourteen years school like uh, college history, and I used to bring to my classes a, 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 a um, an indigenous activist named Mark Welch. And his uh, grandfather was a uh, peyote roadman, uh, you know, a, a, a shaman. And uh, they went, there was a court case on um, uh, peyote and uh, in front of the U.S. Supreme Court, it's a famous case, actually, or out of Oregon. And Mark went and was in the Supreme Court and he heard, <laughs> he heard Rehnquist say, and I paraphrase, quoting Mark, the, the First Amendment does not apply to Native Americans. <laughs> so I repeat that. So at, at any rate, but you you raised DeSantis, and here and here's the way we segue. We've only got 12 minutes left, and we're going to take this up again uh, next week. It'll be again on PRM, but you guys are going to come on with me Monday, please. The second hour will be about energy. The segue, the connection between the election and the nuclear power and the energy issue is Gavin Newsom. Because I will guarantee you that if Joe Biden does not run in 2024, Gavin Newsom will be the Democratic nominee. You know, he's saying up and down, oh, I'm not going to run, blah, blah, blah. Give me a give me a break, Gavin. Come on, man. So, I mean, he will run with a woman, might even be um, Kamala Harris again. We don't know. But he, I mean, look, I've met, you've met, Tataka's met him. I mean, he's a tall, good-looking ridiculously charismatic guy, um, very well-spoken, and he will, and he's from California, he will be the nominee of the Democratic Party in 24 if Joe Biden steps aside. And he has just done the absolute double travesty. I mean, travesty is too much. I, I could go on like a sailor for the next 20 minutes about Gavin Newsom. He has number one, and Kevin, you know a lot about this, bailed out or bailing out these two incredibly dangerous reactors at Diablo Canyon simultaneously to destroying the rooftop solar industry in California. There are 1.4 million solar rooftops in California taken as a collective, as a single unit, 
these uh, 1.4 million rooftops generate more power than Diablo Canyon does. And the solar industry in California employs 70,000 people. Diablo Canyon employs 1,500. And yet here's Diablo pushing solar. Now you said, and we need to hear about this, Kevin, there's a parallel thing with solar going on in Michigan. Can you tell us about that? Well, I'm not as familiar with the attacks on solar in Michigan um, as I even know more about California, but you know, the uh, the pro-nuclear push by Whitmer in Michigan and by Newsom in California is very similar. Whitmer is rumored to be, you know, certainly in the top 10 candidates for a presidential run if Biden doesn't do it in 24. So when you said a woman VP, I mean, Whitmer came to mind. If, if Newsom were able to prevail for the presidency uh, nomination, then, you know, certainly Whitmer might might go for the VP. Who knows what's going to happen? But yeah, I mean, one thing I did want to get back to was that discussion earlier about Europe and nuclear. Yeah, yeah. One bright spot for sure is that Germany is phasing out nuclear power. This is a, a consensus position of all political parties. I mean, the Greens have been anti-nuke since their founding in the mid-70s. The Social Democrats got it after Chernobyl happened in 86. And even the conservatives got it after Fukushima happened in 2011. So unfortunately, there has been an extension for the last three reactors in Germany to keep operating for a short time, measured in months, not in years, as a response to the energy crisis uh, caused by the Russian invasion of Ukraine. But Germany is phasing out nuclear power. It's the biggest economy in Europe. It's the fourth biggest economy in the world on a national level. And if Germany can do it in that tiny, relatively tiny country, far to the north of most of the United States, our renewable potential in the United States is leaps and bounds beyond Germany. Give me a break. I mean, we could do it here. There's no technical impediment to entirely running the U.S. economy on renewables and efficiency. We've known this for a long time. And Kevin, it's it's literally months. That's the part I didn't know. April, April. They're saying they're going to close the last three in April. Wow. You know, there's all this big hoopla, all the nuclear saying, oh, look, Germany's postponing sharing their new one. It's you know, three, four months. They're waiting until spring, basically. And the, what they're not, what they kills the nuclear guys, <clears throat> there are 56 reactors in France. About half are 900 megawatts, and the other half are around 13, somewhere around there. And they're all um, uh, uh, Westinghouse design. And the, a half, more than half of the 56 reactors in France are shut. And so yeah, France is now importing power. France with 56 reactors is importing power from Germany with three. And, you know, this, they don't want to, and, and there was all the, Kevin, you remember, of course, they're all saying, oh, look at the French, how brilliant they are. They have standardized designs. Well, the problem is, if you have a problem in one of your standardized designs, you got a problem in all of them. They may have to shut all of their reactors. Do you know anymore? Well, the, mm-hmm. the age-related degradation, the cracking of safety-significant systems at the French reactors, uh, we've got that here. Uh, Palisades and Point Beach, Wisconsin, are tied for worst embrittled reactor pressure vessels in the United States, followed close behind by Unit 1 at Diablo. Right. So you can't you can't exaggerate the risks of extending the lives of Diablo and Palisades. 
And Point Beach, uh, I was going to say that, you know, one of our approaches at Point Beach, Wisconsin, to try to block the extreme license extension at that nuclear plant, which is a twin reactor plant, was the solar alternative. We had amazing experts. We had nuclear engineer Arnie Gunderson of Fairwinds, Al Kampan, who's a emeritus professor of physics at the University of Toledo and a patent holder on solar PV designs. And we had Mark Cooper, who's an energy economist at Vermont Law School. I mean, it was Physicians for Social Responsibility in Wisconsin who took the lead on this, intervened, but we were supporting. And uh, those experts just laid it out. It was, you know, solar can replace Point Beach easily, affordably, reliably in Wisconsin. And Next Era, which is Florida Power and Light that owns Point Beach, was not interested, which is, you know, so ironic. They're based in the Sunshine State, but they'd prefer to split atoms and burn coal rather than, you know, take advantage of solar power, but well, just uh, being wasted. Weirdly enough, Next Era, a part of uh, affiliated with Florida Power and Light, has developed half the wind projects in the United, on land in the United States, and half the machines are made by General Electric. So we're almost out of time. Jeez, you guys. Now, this has really been great. Um, we are facing, Kevin and Tatanka, an assault on solar, rooftop solar in California. And the question I raised with Tatanka before the show, and maybe you know, uh, Kevin, why don't we get somebody in the California legislature to draft a bill immediately um, preventing what the PSC want, PUC wants to do, which is to tax rooftop solar and get rid of net metering. I mean, the, these two things are perfectly designed to kill an industry that has 70,000 employees in the state of California and it produces more electricity than Diablo Canyon does. And by the way, you mentioned Germany is the fourth largest economy in the world. They have three reactors about to shut. The fifth largest economy in the world is California and they only have two reactors. So, you know, and about, I don't know how many people live in Germany, but you know, California has 40 million. So um, Tatanka and, and Kevin, maybe we can put our heads together, find a legislator in California to propose a bill immediately that would curtail, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, derail what the CPUC wants to do. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, um, I've, I've heard a rumor that the, the, the solar industry doesn't want to rock the boat. They just want to be good corporate, you know, partners in all of this stuff that's going on. but. You know, I've assumed that solar industry, the wind industry would fight back against all this sabotage and undermining. But, you know, I've yet to see it at the level no. necessary. I mean, I think it's the Ohio, people. you know, but, sabotage. The tremendous wind and solar potential of Ohio has just been wasted. Absolutely. For absolutely. It's a criminal. A long time. Well, listen, guys, we are actually out of time. It's 257 here. Um, this has been uh, Harvey Sluggo Wasserman with the 500 and something uh, uh, radio show at Progressive Radio Network. I want to thank Dylan and Rodney, our engineers. Uh, you guys are fabulous. Thank you so much for doing this special edition, uh, which, you know, we want to do a post-election edition and certainly a lot to talk about. We will uh, record again on Monday, guys, in the second hour. We want to go further with this, but I do want to pursue this idea. Maybe somebody like Scott Weiner or that guy from San Luis Obispo could put in a quickie bill uh, just to uh, really screw them up. Uh, um, we, I, I think it's worth, uh, I don't know if there are any solar protection bills that we can draw on 
Kevin or 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 uh, to talk. We should look around. Oh yeah, I'll make I'll make some inquiries and we'll talk about it on Monday. Well, let's talk about that in between. Yeah, uh, we can talk camps, before. Um, Kevin Camps at uh, Nuclear uh, uh, Beyond Nuclear and uh, Michigan Boy and in and in, uh, in, in, in Michigan and Maryland, you you got a pretty good uh, trifecta there. And uh, <laughs> I guess it's a duopoly, but uh, you're on the show. And that Tatanka Bricka uh, in California, we need to conspire. We we are sister shipped here with uh, Palisades and Diablo, two insane attempts to keep these horrifying reactors open. At least Palisades, you have the advantage it's, it is shut. You know, they're trying to reopen it. Here at Diablo Canyon, you know, they've they've been phasing the the deal to shut Diablo was in in uh, six years ago for the last six years they've been phasing down Diablo and now suddenly in two years they want to suddenly keep it going it's insane uh Tataki got a hammer go ahead go ahead some help hammer out that shutdown agreement so he's completely reversed himself for his and, presidential run yeah and you have to wonder yeah. why and it, the answer probably is just flat out money his money. No uh, Tataki, you want to take us out, man? We're down to we're down to the nitty gritty here. Thank you so much, Kevin, for joining us. Please do join us Monday um, for the second hour, and that that'll go back up. Uh, uh, Tataka. Well, thank you, Harvey, for the invitation. Thank you, Kevin. This has been a pleasure. And uh, one lesson of this, and just the idea of it, uh, of a bill to stop this, is fantastic, Harvey. It's and responding to your expectation, Kevin, that the industry would get behind it. You would think so, except that a lot of the people in the industry uh, were, are, not act, are not activists. And it's activists that stopped this power plant. It's activists that fueled the, the whole move for decommissioning. And it's activists that are going to turn this around and save us again. Yeah, and you think with 70,000 people in the industry, we could you know get a quorum. So we're going to have to figure this out. Thank you again, uh, uh, Rodney and Dylan at PRN, uh, folks for listening in. This has been the Solartopia Green Power and Wellness Show, uh, number 500 and something. And um, uh, thank you to Tonka Bricka and Kevin Camps. You guys couldn't be better, and we'll be back together, and we'll figure this out, and we will shut the Diablo and keep Palisades shut. God help us all. And uh -huh. uh, Reverend Warnock. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be with you there, man. It's going to be a wild, it's such karma that the control of the U.S. Senate would come down to a runoff in Georgia. Oh, my God. We are going to see a real workshop in preserving democracy. So stay tuned. It's going to be a wild ride. We'll see you next week at the Progressive Radio Network's Green Power, Solartopia Green Power and Wellness Show. Take care, everybody. And no nukes. No nukes. Was there an Adam? Was there an Eve? Or did we evolve from what we conceived? Either way, we got what we needed when the sun shone down on the Garden of Eden.